people don't think of our system of taxation as having played a major role in social justice, and yet it's very entwined with one another. Class and race are inextricably linked, but race has independently played a major role in influencing tax policy in America. Federal and state tax systems have historically interacted together to maintain impoverishment, to limit mobility, and limit access to opportunities. Welcome everyone, it's tax season and I'm bringing you nothing but the tea in taxes. I'm your host, Giovanni Fryer, tax enrolled agent, and this is Life in the Tax Lane. On this show, we talk about everything trending in today's news, from stimulus payments to sales tax. So let's start the conversation. I want to begin by pointing out that former President Trump's wall, it caused a crap ton of controversy. And I get it. I personally thought it was stupid when I saw how tall it was. I mean, if the intent was to keep illegal immigrants out, right? He should have just explained how we tax immigrants in America. They probably would have taken their chances someplace else. I mean, seriously, undocumented immigrants pay taxes, even though a vast majority of people believe that they don't. Everyone is paying taxes, okay? When you buy gas, you're paying tax. When you get groceries, you're paying tax. And when you're grabbing a quick pack of smokes, you're paying a tax. No one is exempt. And seeing as how immigrants, they don't qualify for most, if really any, tax credits. So they actually end up paying more in taxation than U.S. citizens. Now, you might not agree, right? But I'm going to lay this out for you because we all want to benefit from how our system of taxation works and we want to understand how it doesn't work, right? So undocumented immigrants, a lot of the time, they don't file tax returns because of their, I want to say, misunderstanding or maybe their mistrust of how their ITIN number can and will be used against them. So what's an ITIN number? Well, if you're a non-US citizen and you don't have a social security number, you work and you pay taxes on those wages from your job, so you can request an ITIN from the IRS. This is an individual tax identification number and it's used for tax filing purposes only. The IRS can't legally share your tax information with any agency, but I think in immigrant communities, they have a shared fear of ICE or you know immigration and customs enforcement, and, and they don't wanna do anything to uh, bring attention to their undocumented status by filing a tax return. So I'm gonna give you guys a quick example here, right? Let's say that a US citizen 
uh, earned $13,000 for the year. They would most likely qualify for a refund and claim earned income credit. But the undocumented worker that earns the same $13,000 for the year, they, they would qualify for a smaller refund because they don't qualify for earned income credit because they don't have a social security number. So the undocumented worker also doesn't file a return, they don't collect the refund that's due, and they have essentially paid more into our tax system than the US citizen. Now you have three years to claim a refund before it's forfeited and the IRS gets to keep it. And so when you don't file a tax return, you also miss out on other benefits of tax filing like stimulus payments. But again, why would immigrants give two shivs and a goat about stimulus payments? I-10 holders were disqualified from the first payment of $1,200 and the second payment of $600 as well as their dependents, even if, even if those dependents had valid social security numbers. It wasn't until the passing of this third stimulus payment in President Biden's American Rescue Plan that immigrants were um, partially included, right? So now if one or both parents have ITINs, but the dependents have social security numbers, each person on the return with a valid social security number will qualify for a $1,400 payment. But immigrants still aren't done getting screwed by our tax system. Everyone that receives a payroll check from their job had social security tax and Medicare tax withheld from their wages automatically. But without a valid social security number, they can't receive benefits from social security or get medical benefits from the Affordable Care Act. They, they work these jobs that no one else prefers and they are more at risk for a work injury. But wait, they don't get access to workers' compensation benefits as immigrants. Are you guys starting to put together the connection yet? The social injustice is hidden in plain sight. They, these immigrants, they see America as the land of the free, but nothing, nothing over here or in life is free. But you know, I mean, that's just my opinion, right? But I'm gonna switch gears here because social justice, it, it affects all aspects of our society as it relates to taxation at every level of educational attainment, right? The median wealth among black families is substantially lower than white families. So I want you all to look at the American Opportunity Credit. This is a refundable credit for students in their first four years of college, from your freshman year to your senior year. You can claim this credit for your school-related expenses. It's really a great benefit, but one of the biggest disqualifiers, however, is that you specifically can't have any drug felonies on your record. So you can be a convicted rapist or a murderer, and you can still take advantage of this benefit. But think about who this rule affects the most black and brown people. Historically, since the war on drugs in the 1980s, people of color from minority communities highly overrepresent the populations in our jails 
and our prisons. There were 2.8 million arrests of black Americans in 2018. And another awful statistic is that 30% of all people, all people on probation or parole right now are black people, 30%. So when these folks get released, they're expected to turn their life around, get a job, stay out the streets. But who's hiring felons where we live? So they can't get decent jobs paying enough to support themselves and a family. So then people say, well, go get you a skill so you can earn you some more money. Well, if you've got student loan debt like I do, <laughs> then you know how expensive college or trade school can be. And grant money for school is out for the felon, right? So it's the benefit of tax credits for gaining that education. Where is the justice in that? Even, even still, a college-educated black individual has on average less wealth than a white individual without a high school diploma. Yeah, you, you heard that right. So the system of taxation that we have, it has this framing of theft. And in some instances, it's rightfully so. But the system is also chock full of benefits too. But I think the better question is, who is really benefiting? Is it only for those of us in the society deemed to have acted appropriately and socially conforming? I mean, shouldn't the benefits of the tax system that we all pay into be a human right? Like the federal tax code, it, it interacts with state tax codes and both federal and state policies to hamper generational wealth building benefits and limit mobility for one group of people to the exclusion of others. Every major economic policy in America has tax code implications or provisions that have subsequently developed that benefit specific groups of taxpayers. And then I'm gonna point out this too. You know, Congress, they have been defunding the IRS year after year. And the rate in which the IRS has conducted audits has dropped by like 42%. But then listen to these statistics. The audit decrease was actually a realignment from high income taxpayers to low income taxpayers. So I'm gonna throw some numbers at you from 2018, all right? 43% of all audited returns included earned income tax credit. And 37% of those returns that were audited were audited because of earned income tax credit. 99% of all of the earned income tax credit audits are done by mail correspondents. So you don't even talk to these agents. They just send you forms and you need to know what to do and send them back, right? 80% of these earned income tax credit audits were conducted before a refund was even issued to a taxpayer. And 75% of all of those audits were wage earners with W-2s. And 90% of those audits also included self-employment and earned income tax credit. So from those audits in 2018, 69 to 75% claimed that they either never received the notice, they never responded, or they just stopped responding. 
And of the taxpayers who received the notice, 25% didn't understand why they were being audited. And then less than 33% thought the letter was understandable and 50% knew what they had to do to respond. And only 15% of those that responded were proven to not qualify for the credits. And these audits, guys, they took an average of 207 days. Now, I hope you caught this pattern too, right? Earned income tax credit is for low income taxpayers. This subset is less likely to afford representation, understand what they need to do, and more likely not to resolve the tax issue and collect their refund. Talk about social injustice. Now, I think this is a great time to let you guys know that if you're in need of a free consultation, Syndicate Taxes, you know, here for you, we offer help to taxpayers with tax filings, business entity setup, and future tax planning. You just need to request more information or you can send me an email directly at jill at syndicatetax.net. It's tax time and there are a lot of tax changes this year. If you didn't get your stimulus checks or if you didn't get the full amount, file with Syndicate Tax and we'll get you paid. Did you claim unemployment in 2020? Even if you didn't withhold taxes, you could still qualify for an IRS refund check. Don't miss out on these opportunities to get more money back. Syndicate tax professionals know all the new rules to get you the biggest refund possible. We can file your taxes in person or virtually using our secure mobile app. Just snap a picture of your W-2 and other tax forms and we can complete your return. To find out how, just give us a call at 502-220-4868. We have three offices in Louisville ready to take care of you. Call us now at 502-220-4868. So now I want to talk about cannabis and the green tax, as I like to call it. But I'm referring to a restrictive, socially unjust provision that was placed on legal cannabis businesses, right? It's called 280E. This was created in 1982. And at the time, it made sense. It stemmed from a court case in 1981 where a convicted cocaine trafficker asserted his right under federal tax law to deduct his ordinary business expenses from his drug business. I mean, he had already been proven to have earned so much in street value and wanted to deduct his costs from the drug game. So in response, in 1982, Congress created 280E to prevent other drug dealers from doing it too. Now we as a modern day society are still paying for that cheeky loophole that he pulled off 40 years ago. Now since cannabis is still illegal federally, it is subject to 280E restrictions. And these restrictions, they affect all businesses that engage in the cultivation, the sale or the processing of the cannabis plant. So this is gonna include cultivators, medical dispensaries, marijuana retail stores, and infused product manufacturers, as well as, you know, concentrates and cannabis oil manufacturers. And Section 280E can be very tricky. It can de 
disincentivize people, right, from filing tax returns. It penalizes people who are trying to be transparent and operate within the applicable state laws of where they're doing business. I mean, seriously, the intent of Congress was supposed to be to go after criminals, not law-abiding job creators. And a sensible solution would be amending 280E, descheduling cannabis. I mean, because this deeply affects cannabis ability to reinvest those profits back into the communities or, you know, fulfill the will of their constituents in the state that voted for this and the legislators and the regulatory bodies that mandated that cannabis could be sold in a legal storefront. Now, 280E benefits Uncle Sam, but not the American dream of entrepreneurship. The state allows you to set up and operate a legal business. And it's not uncommon, guys, for a small mom and pop shop to clear a million dollars in their first year, okay? But not just to give up 70% of that revenue to the feds. And all because of a three sentence provision that was wrote 40 years ago because one drug dealer pulled a fast one on the government. It's socially unjust. And since we're talking about all these colorful taxes, I wondered if any of you female listeners out there have ever heard of the pink tax. This is an imaginary tax, but it's real nonetheless, okay? Products that are marketed specifically toward women, they tend to be more expensive than those products that are marketed for men without any reasonable cause, right? And, and critics are saying that, you know, this is attributed to gender-based price discrimination. Um, and the name only comes from the fact that most women products are pink so that we know it's for us and it's not for anybody else, right? Whatever. But those products, they're specifically marketed toward us as women, and they cost on average 7% more than what the men products will cost. So this, this discrepancy, right? They say it applies to apparel and toys and healthcare products, among a slew of other things, right? Like there was a study that talked about a side-by-side -side comparison of a radio flyer scooter. The red scooter was like $25, but the pink scooter was like $49. And they said it was because it costed more to paint the scooter pink. Who really knows, right? But um, when you look at children's clothes, girls' clothes are 4% more expensive than boys. Maybe it's because girls have more adornment on their clothes and we like to look pretty and men like to look like uniform statues. But, you know, there, there, there are physical differences and then there are little to no differences, right? <laughs> but the largest discrepancy, um, it, it, it comes to the personal care hygiene products, right? This is where we feel it the most as women because those products are costing 13% more than men's, okay? I mean, things like razors. What is the difference between a man's razor and a woman's razor 
all other than the color of the plastic, right? Um, but they, they, they say that um, women are less sensitive to price and that um, we tend to um, not care as much. And so we will buy what we need because it's essential and we don't really care about the price. And I don't personally agree with that. I mean, as a woman, I think I'm very frugal. I think that I always look for a good deal. And at the same time, I don't like the idea that products that are catered specifically to women cost more. I, I think that's kind of unfair. And so I'm kind of leading into um, a new thing that I kind of just stumbled upon, although this has been gaining some traction. Um, it, it's a thing called the tampon tax, right? And they feel that this is a form of regulatory discrimination because menstruation is out of our control, right? And the government should not tax us for something that is imminent for half of the population. Like unlike condoms, tampons are a necessity with no male equivalent. So the two items can't be compared. And you've got schools and colleges, doctors offices, clinics, they give free condoms to the public, but we don't get free menstrual products. Like Similarly, this puts an even greater strain on poverty-stricken households, right? Because sometimes young girls or women, they find themselves in a position where they can't afford them, right? But let's, let's, let's also come back to the fact that um, we're not saying that women are not smart enough to buy a cheaper product. Um, products, I guess, have subjective value, right? There is a preference um, as well as, you know, different price points that impact our buying habits. But I'm just saying that, um, you know, I, I can't disagree with the fact that I think that tampons, <laughs> pads, you know, anything used for that time of the month should definitely be giving us a break. I mean, we have it hard enough for five to seven days. And I know this sounds a little goofy, but listen to this. Australia, Canada, and the United Kingdom have voted on legislation to create a special tax exemption for tampons. Now, it hasn't become law yet, right? But they're working on it. India and Kenya have removed their tampon tax and are providing menstrual products to school-age girls. Colombia got rid of their tax on feminine hygiene products in 2018 because they felt like it would help push for gender equality. Like this economic impact of the pink tax is really boiling down to the fact that women have less purchasing power because there's already this wide um, gap in the income that women make versus the income that a man makes, statistically, right? And so on average, we have less money to spend 
on the goods and the services that we need. So that alone gives men more money and ultimately more buying power. So if we're paying more for goods and services that are marketed to us while they're paying less and they already make more money than we do, then this means that men hold the majority of the purchasing power in the economy. Taxes on feminine hygiene products that men don't need further contribute to this problem. So I don't disagree. I would love to hear what you all, as my female listeners, think about this pink tax and this tampon tax because it specifically affects us, right? It's tax time, and there are a lot of tax changes this year. If you didn't get your stimulus checks, or if you didn't get the full amount, file with Syndicate Tax, and we'll get you paid. Did you claim unemployment in 2020? Even if you didn't withhold taxes, you could still qualify for an IRS refund check. Don't miss out on these opportunities to get more money back. Syndicate Tax Professionals know all the new rules to get you the biggest refund possible. You can file your taxes in person or virtually using our secure mobile app. Just snap a picture of your W-2 and other tax forms and we can complete your return. To find out how, just give us a call at 502-220-4868. We have three offices in Louisville ready to take care of you. Call us now at 502-220-4868. Wow, guys, what a show. I really hope you got a lot of good information. And if you want to know more about anything that I talked about on air today, be sure to follow me on social media. You guys can check out my company website at www.syndicatetax.net. You can view our services. We offer four ways to file, and we have three locations in Louisville. But if you need immediate assistance, give me a call today at 502-220-4868. Or you can email me at jill at syndicatetax.net. Thanks for listening, guys, and until next week. Feels like